Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, we got a great po- 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 podcast today. <laughs> That's yeah, uh, me doing the Max Hedrum. Thanks for listening. Thanks for making this podcast, you know, one of the podcasts that you listen to and taking the time. Really appreciate it. We uh, we love having you here. And if you, you're you here for Deborah Ann Wall and you're like, I don't care. I just want to hear it. And you're fast forwarding. You know, it's fine. But if you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Inside of You Pod on the Twitter. We're also on YouTube. Uh, everywhere you get podcasts, you could listen, um, write a review. Apple Podcasts, you could write a review. It really helps the show. Um, also, if you want to join Patreon, become a patron. Um, go to patreon.com slash inside of you. And uh, patrons really save the show. They really do. I talk about this every time. But if you just want to join and, and uh, support the podcast or donate a little to keeping it going, patreon.com slash inside you. Also, the new Inside of You online store. Great merch, new Smallville scripts autographed, lunch boxes, tumblers, tons of stuff. Take it out. Check it out. Inside of You online store. And last but not least, uh, our album is out, sunspin.com. Check out all new merch. We've got new uh, shirts, mugs, calendars, T-shirts, CDs. The new CD is out. The, the music's only available on CD right Same now. mugs. I said mugs. I think I said mugs. But you can get them autographed or whatever. Go to sunspin.com. You can also book a Zoom with the band, book a show with the band, a private show, all that stuff. All right, enough with that stuff. Also, I'm going to be in San Francisco the 25th weekend, Smallville Nights with Tom Welling. And the following two weekends are Columbus and then Pittsburgh. So get your tickets, get your Smallville Nights tickets. And uh, this is a great guest. I love Deborah Ann Wall. She talked about her being bullied. You know her from True Blood. Uh, it was really awesome to talk to her, and she opens up, and I think you're going to really dig this. So without further ado, let's get inside Deborah Ann Wall. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Inside of You is brought to you by Neurohacker, Qualia Senolytic. Let me tell you something. If you haven't tried this, you are missing out. I just sent this to my mom. I have it. I use it. It's a product that I didn't, I, they weren't even my sponsor when I was using this. And I was like, wow, why do I have more focus or energy? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel different? It's because I take Qualia Senolytic, Neurohacker. Look, if someone would have told me, Ryan, that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months. I wouldn't have believed it, but uh, I tried Qualiacinolytic, and the rest is history. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with that middle-aged feeling. 
Also known as zombie cells, they're old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore, but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. Much like pruning the yellowing and dead leaves off a plant, Qualia Senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all the ingredients together. And Neurohacker Qualia Senolytic has a 100-day money-back guarantee. Oh, I have, I have more energy. Uh, I feel younger. Uh, I'm more productive. I will tell you that. I'm more productive. And uh, I feel like I have, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more enthusiastic about my life. I definitely feel that, and uh, for me, the aches and pains are less lessened by this, so that is a real important thing for me. Help resist aging at the cellular level, folks. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside. Neurohacker, N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R. Neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code INSIDE at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. You know, right before you came here, yeah. Uh, by the way, I was going to kid around and say, right before you got here, Deb. Uh, you, <laughs> I can be Deb. Deb is are fine. Are you serious? Yeah, Deb I is fine. I thought for sure you would hate Deb. No, I'm okay with Deb. I don't like Debbie. Debbie. That's the only one I don't like. Really? Yeah. Only my grandmother. Debbie, could you get me some water? <laughs> Why would she talk like that? She did not talk like that. How did no. she talk? Um, I don't know. My there she grew up in Buffalo and lived in Long Island. Um, I lived in Long Island. So she was, yeah, we're Oceanside. in Long Island. Yeah. So my mother, my both my parents are from Buffalo, New York, but uh my mother moved to Huntington. My husband grew up in Dix Hills. Dix Hills. So we have a lot of family in uh, on the Long Island. And then I'm from Brooklyn. You're from Brooklyn. Yeah. Before you got here, mm -hmm. I was teaching Ryan how yes. to do a Christopher Walken impression. Okay. I've been doing it since probably 97. Uh -huh. And a lot of people do it the wrong way. Okay. You know, they're usually like, hello, now, hello. And everything. It's like, pretty good to No, me. It's, it's not how but it's it not is. it's not good? Because okay. Walken's very subtle. You know, he's uh -huh. like, your son, fuckhead. But he is. And I was teaching him right before you came. <laughs> And I think it helps. Can can you do impressions? How is it, right? Me? Oh, no, it's not I, I am not good at impressions. You that don't think you could do it? Never been my thing. No. Just try to find like in the back of your like throat. Just go, your son. Your son. Not bad. I don't know. Yeah. Your I don't son. Feel, I've never been a mimic. It's never really? been something I've been good at. You don't at. have a good ear? No, no. I do not have a good ear for that stuff. I'm not good at accents. It takes me a long time to work that stuff out. Can you sing? Um, I have a nice sounding voice. I would not say that I'm a singer. Um, I'm not trained or anything like that but i i could carry a tune <laughs> you can carry a tune yeah that's good yes um so you, you've done obviously a lot of stuff I, we were like true blood daredevil the defenders mm. the punisher series uh your host of a dungeons and dragons show <laughs> i mean we're gonna get into it um i said true blood good yeah Lord, well i just got show. back from doing um from barding in san diego this summer so i was doing taming of the shrew at the old globe you and your theater, you're, I you're love, back my, to the my roots. My theater is my the thing I always really wanted to do with my career. So while like the TV and the film has been incredible and such a journey, it felt a little bit like a side path <laughs> to right. the thing I really wanted to do. So being able to go do that this summer was really special. Well, I have a theory. Yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Some people say, no, I just wa always wanted to be an actor. I didn't care about fame. I wanted it <laughs> because I loved being an actor. 
And I think it's kind of bullshit. I think there uh-huh. is always a, like a little glimmer or a little morsel of, I want to be good where I'm famous. If you're good at what you do, you'll, you, there's a good chance you'll be famous. Mm, see, that's where I disagree with you. I disagree with me. There's, there's a strong part of me. Yes, my ego absolutely wants people to think that I'm good, that I'm talented, that I'm artistic, that I'm a deep thinker, all of those things, right? Mm. I want to be those things and I want people to think of me that way. Okay. However, I know so many incredibly talented people who never get recognized. Well, I know that. On a, on a higher level. So I think, I think wanting fame and wanting people to think you're good can be two different things. I just feel like if you want people to think you're good, well, you want people to think you're great. I want people to think I'm great. You yes. want people, that's, you that's wanna, a real want. By yes. getting that reciprocated, yes. like the feeling is validation. That I yes. am good, I am great, and I think a lot of people need that in life. Yeah. Some people say, don't worry about what everybody else thinks. Don't worry, blah, blah, blah. And it's such horse <laughs> shit. It's impossible not to think about yes. what everybody thinks of you. Yes. Now, you can't obsess over it, but if you do a play- Oh, you and, can. But- <laughs> I mean, you can. You can. But I think, you know, when I was doing theater in, in college, yeah. and I was doing plays and stuff, and I realized, wait a minute. I got something here. The mm-hmm. teachers are paying attention mm-hmm. to me, other classmates. I'm getting cast as the lead role. People are, yeah. there's things going on. I'm like, hey. But that feels good. It feels good. And it's like, maybe this is my key to getting famous. Well, but, that, but I think that's because I, I can genuinely say for me, maybe because I'm a bit introverted or a bit nervous around people, the the idea of being known is a little bit fraught. <laughs> Define fraught. <sighs> I mean, scary okay. on, on a certain level. Um, the idea that people would have thoughts about me outside of my control or outside of what I feel is real, um, that they're going to think things. I mean, I I was very, very badly bullied when I was younger. And so that, I think, contributes to this idea that I don't want anyone to ever, <laughs> ever think anything bad about me or anything. So fame comes with all of these people that – you know, fame is just notoriety. It's not good or bad, right. right? And so all of that accolades that come with that also come, hey, Deborah Ann Mole and, you know, big teeth or all of the things that people want to say about how you look or your or your talent. She's not good. She's annoying. She's all of those things. So I don't know. That part, I, I, don't, I don't want the fame part enough to take on the other half of it. Do you read reviews? No, I stopped that a very, very long time ago. Why did you stop? Because you read a bad review? No, because I just know me. I know that I would not be able to handle it. You'd pick it apart. I would pick it apart. And I, I think, and I'm definitely the kind of person who would not remember the good stuff and would only remember the bad stuff. I don't watch my own work. I haven't done that in, really? in years and years and years. Do you know, I had one interviewer, one review say something like, I, I did this movie and it was, it was actually really funny. Yeah. Funny movie called Hit and Run. Very funny movie. My friend Dax directed it. Yeah. Did a great job. He was the lead. I thought he was great. Um, and Tom Arnold, who I thought was great. Yeah. And like most of the reviews were good. And this one reviewer said, Dax Shepard isn't funny. Tom Arnold has never been funny. Oh, and boy. Michael Rosenbaum will never be funny. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and I go, what? I just started laughing. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Wow. I mean, he's got he's got it personally for yeah. me. Personally for all of all us. Of he, this guy was going in wanting to hate the movie and hate didn't like us already. Right. So you can't pay attention to that stuff. <laughs> but like, I mean, it was just like, I, I saved it. I have it. Yeah. 
And he will never be funny. That is amazing. You I, saved uh, it. It's, oh, yeah. You got to save stuff like that. And, and um, <laughs> But you don't watch yourself. No, it makes me defensive. I don't want to be a defensive actor. I don't want to be thinking about all the stuff that I didn't like when I watched it before. I want to be free and let a director and an editor and a, someone else worry but about But you that. got <laughs> nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award for True Blood. Well, as an ensemble. You know, that was for all of us all together. It okay. wasn't just for me. That's true. But you have to think if you're nominated for something, you're probably pretty damn good. I got to say again, my husband and I were just talking about this last night. I don't know. I, I kind of think award shows are bullshit. <laughs> they are. I don't watch them. I don't just, watch them. It's really, it's money making, it's promotion. It's, you know, again. It's all, and I, yeah. And that's not to say that if you win one, you're not good. Like it's a, it's a scam. A lot of really wonderful actors win awards and are nominated for awards and great shows are up for things. But again, there's so much incredible work that never, ever gets lifted to that level. And I even look at something like True Blood and Daredevil. And while it wasn't always the greatest, there are moments where I go, shit, we really found something cool here. And it would never be considered merely because of the genre element of it. Right. Or, you know, Isn't that shit? Yeah. So there's certain things that that cross over that either because of what the material they're based on or things like that. But um, it's rare. Um, so yeah, I so at a certain point, I think to be healthy in this business, you do have to go, I am satisfied if I felt like I did great work, which is why I stopped yeah. watching. Because at the end of the day, I would go home and go, wow, I had a real experience. I had a real moment. I got to watch my co-star do something spectacular, and we created a great moment. From this point on, I don't decide the music. I don't decide the cut. I don't decide the color correction. I don't decide right. any of it. I just have to go home, and it goes into someone else's hands. So watching it later and going, ooh, I don't like the way I sound or the way I look or the choice that they chose there or that the choice that I made – just ruins that wonderful day that I had where I thought I was great. Uh, okay. So it's better for me to kind of go home keeping that confidence. And the earlier work that I did, I could feel the self-consciousness creep in and it made me less good. <laughs> right. Because you're like, oh, I don't like that thing on my face. Yeah. I don't like when I smile, there's a dimple or something or like, not you. I'm just saying proverbially. Yeah, of course. Yeah, proverbially. But like, yeah. you know, uh, I that's... It is. I, I will. I'd watch stuff and go, "Oh, you're bloated." And then that's on your mind the then next I, time you work. Yeah. Versus the story. But maybe the it should. Maybe sometimes you yeah. watch yourself and go, "You need to lose a few pounds, Rosenbaum. You need to work out a little more." Oh, you want to be you're, you're shirtless in a scene? You better <laughs> pump it up. Hey, you you know you know you're, yeah. you're not listening there. Listen more. It's almost like critiquing yourself, but also if you can do that constructively. Right. If you can. I think some people are capable of doing that. I'm not. Um, <laughs> and also, at a certain point, again, I, you have to make these decisions. I decided very early on that because I know that my ego will cause insecurity problems for me, yeah. that I just have to go, I'm letting it go. I'm never dieting for any of this stuff. I'm never going to worry about any of that. I don't know hair and makeup. That is someone else's department. I will. They're going to do their job and I'm going to trust them. Yeah, you know, I might have opinions based on the story I want to tell, but I'm never I'm going to try not to let vanity control my job. Right. I'm going to fake. I'm going to make all of my choices based on the story I want to tell with this. I am going to be in a documentary <laughs> all right. and they're going to capture it. Um, and that is just the the only way I have found for me to successfully do work that I feel is, is good, at least. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. 
I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. I got Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It, I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside. I, I've had conversations about acting where it's like, you know, some people are like, who cares if it's success or not? You're doing what you love. Right. You're just doing what you love. I go, I, if I, I don't just want to do anything. 
Mm-hmm. Now I'm very I'm lucky that I don't have to. <laughs> right. Thank God. But in the beginning, I would do everything. Right. Because you're just building confidence and doing whatever, and it doesn't matter how shitty. And Lord knows I've been on shitty fucking things. <laughs> right. Shitty. Yeah. I we mean, all have. like shitty. Yeah. And but then you get to a point where you're like, I want to, I want to do things that really have a chance. Mm-hmm. That really are. I'm surrounded by really great people. They're they're putting everything they can into it. There's a passion. I think this could be really good. Yes. I genuinely, I'm not, you know, there's, and and as long as I'm acting, I'm having fun. Mm -hmm. But if you're on a show and it just is not good Mm -hmm. and getting not good ratings, but staying on the air, like a lot of shows do, or they do get good ratings. What I'm trying to say is, don't you find it difficult if you're really an actor and you love acting and now you're stuck on something that's really not great? Or would you do something not great just to do it, just to mm. act? No, no, no. I mean, the the joy of acting is um, doing great material and having great roles and being challenged in that way. So no, I, I mean, I wouldn't feel happy being stuck on something that wasn't challenging me. However, I did have a teacher say this though I thought was interesting. She sort of said it that for an actor... Like the, 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 the words are the writer's job. For an actor, it's everything you don't say. So at the end of the day, mm. like having a baby is having a baby, whether it's written by Tennessee Williams or the junior writer at the new CW show, you know, like <laughs> right. it, it's that's an experience. It's a human experience. And even if your lines are crap, you can fill that experience with your own imagination and your own whatever you bring to it. And so that can, you can kind of make things challenging. Now, again, it is more fun (laughs) to be challenged by great writing and great experiences. But I have found in those circumstances, there are ways to kind of elevate it for yourself. Have you ever done something and you're like, I was I was fucking great in that. Yeah. And then go, no one cared. No one paid attention. No one noticed me. Never got nothing. All the time. Really? Most of the time I feel that way. Really? And not, like, not that most of the time I feel that it was great, but uh, most of the time when I when I have a great day where I feel like I've done really great work, I feel like it just slides away. Are you disappointed? Do you want to hear something? Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice. And and I think what I do is I try to live on, like, I remember when we were doing True Blood and speaking with some of my other actor friends and talking about insecurities. And some of them were at the time, like, IMDb still had message boards and people would go on and read all of these lonely, angry people who would just say terrible things about you online. And they would go and read it. And I remember sitting down with with one of them once and being like, okay, you know, weird guy on the internet and Alan fucking Ball who keeps bringing you back and keeps giving you challenging material and keeps saying that you're the shit, right? Like at a certain point, that has to matter more his validation of you has to matter more than this person's. And so, you know, what I tend to thrive on, like, you know, we did an episode on Daredevil um, that focused on my character, Karen Page. We did a whole backstory. We took, they, they, I I will forever be indebted to Eric Olson for championing this to the writers, the writer who wrote it. He took the entire crew upstate New York in the snow and did this amazing standalone story about her past. And he collaborated with me on the story. And we, you know, I felt involved and creatively fulfilled by it. It was one of the best weeks of my life in my career. Wow. I am so fucking proud of that episode. I still haven't seen it to this day, what they did with it in the end. But the experience that I had and and working with everyone, it, it, I'll never forget it. He wrote me and said lovely things. Did anyone ever 
mention that episode to me outside in the public, anything like that? No, no one, no one. Um, but I, that has to be okay, right? It has to be, has okay, to be okay that I'm crazy proud that Charlie was proud of me, that John was proud of me, that Vincent was proud of me, that that Eric Olson was proud of me, that you know, that my husband, my family, that these people, you know, were proud. And that and has to be enough. And what you think it's like, when is enough? What's enough? Right. And ultimately, you know, that we get to a point where like we have to have the confidence and wherewithal to sort of just say, I'm good. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. I'm proud of myself. Moving on. Well, I don't need any external validation. When I've gotten better at because because external validation is a thing that I struggle right. with. We all do. I've gotten better, you know, when I have those thoughts where I'm like, God damn it, why couldn't that have been I go, you know what? Silly Deb. You know, what a what a silly thought, you know, like <laughs> this is this person who did all this for you. He wrote this, he set this side of time, he set this budget a time, you know, budget aside, all of this, you know, to do this. And that is such a huge um vote of confidence um that he 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 did that for me. So you know, I I, I try to hold on to that. I have a little whenever someone sends me a nice email, I put a little a little so I think I even call it like confidence log or, or something whatever, yeah. like that and whenever i'm having a moment i'll go read it and it's that's smart yeah it's generally a lot of stuff from from people whose names you might not recognize but they're very meaningful to me i like that yeah you know we did a movie together we did what movie did we do I had together one scene with forrest whitaker <laughs> oh a, a my big god scene, and, and malin Ackerman. i had one scene with forrest whitaker and that was it yeah. so we didn't work together yeah but I was in Catch 44. You're in Catch 44. Sure. Hot Louisiana summer. Uh, yeah. Interesting, interesting movie. Yeah. Interesting little movie. Um, <laughs> Why didn't we get Oscar nomination for I don't that, know. Michael? I don't know. You I ask I myself that yeah. all the damn time. Um, <laughs> tell me about, because you you briefly just kind of mentioned it. And I saw some interview with you. It, was, it wasn't even an interview. It was more like you talking to people mm. about being bullied and yeah. kind of showing support yeah. and saying, hey, you're not alone. Yeah. Take me back. Where, where, when did the bullying start? It was mostly middle school. You know, those really great foundational years when you're trying to figure out who you are and, <laughs> and everything that happens affects who you become for the rest so you're of like your life. 11, 12. Yeah. Yeah. Right in there. Um, what was it? What were they picking on you about? Do you even know? Well, I mean, that's the... That's the big question, right? And I think I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure that out because if it was something real, then how do you grapple with that and go, God, I'm just actually an unlikable person who doesn't deserve to have friends? Or you go, all right, maybe everyone is scared and hurt and freaked out at this point in their lives and there's a mob mentality and I was an easy target. You know, I'm I was and probably always will be the kind of person who's going to cry before they fight back. Um and you know, that seems to me like a less scary target. Um so yeah, I think I think I was an easy target. I think, you know, I was Why were you an easy target? Cuz I would didn't fight back because just I Just cuz you didn't fight back. I would just crumble. Um You'd cry in front of people. Yeah. Um, and I think also, you know, I was very young. I wanted to be a kid. I mean, look, I became an actor. I play make-believe for yeah, my yeah. my life, right? Like I enjoy, I play D&D. I play board games. These are my favorite things to do. There's a there's a part of me that very much loves that childlike part of my life. Um, so I think 
I wanted to sing and dance in the hallways. I loved learning. You know, I was that kid who was like, yo, teach, you forgot to give us homework because I really wanted to read oh, more of the book, you know. So I was the antithesis I'm of you. I'm sure that you were. You probably like, would have hated me. No, I wouldn't have hated you. I just <laughs> wouldn't have known you because you were really smart. <laughs> well, I'm not, it wasn't even smart. You know, I was not a straight A student. I wasn't even the kid who like loved school. I just really liked learning and, and particularly in a certain number of subjects. And unfortunately, my favorite subjects are everybody's least favorite subjects. I love math and science. So I was the kid who really wanted to excel at math. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think there were things like that that made me probably a little bit annoying to other kids, which is no excuse. Um, and then I was an easy target. Um, so it's interesting. I, I've, I've thought a lot back to it because it's like a weird experience of being invisible and totally conspicuous at the same time <laughs> like being absolutely like everyone is ignoring you everyone and pretending that you either don't exist or are an, an annoyance to them and and yet they are so aware of you they're they're so aware that they are choosing to pretend that you either don't exist or aren't there or go out of their way to make you feel less than do you ever to this day sometimes get lost in thoughts of the past and remember that little girl who was picked on and does it, does it cause you to be emotional or do you, yeah. have you kind of I tried my husband and I tried to watch that Bo Burnham movie eighth grade I got about 20 minutes into it and just like fell into like ancient heaving sobs that I couldn't I don't think I could act because wow. um, they were so deep you know and and to get on with your life you do a lot of things to sort of save yourself and um, I'm still to this day trying to get over the coping mechanisms that I used. Um, so, you know, yeah, we, we stopped that movie. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever <laughs> yeah. be able to finish it, but I, I kind of know it's the greatest movie ever made because it <laughs> were there. Do you remember names? Do you remember certain girls sure. or boys? You like, you could riff them off, just rip, you know, go th you, cause I could do that too. Cause I yeah. was picked on a little bit too. Yeah. And, uh, I was the shortest kid in my high school mm. and, um, but I could remember names. I can remember names. I could say names right now. I'm not going <laughs> to say them because they're yeah. so specific. It's very specific. Uh, you know, it's like if I said Raleigh Johnson. It's names. <laughs> I but, mean, he didn't pick on me though. But I also like, it was also, like I said, it was a mob. It was everyone. Man. And so there's there's that, but there's also just this kind of like cloud of energy in a way that I remember more than anything. Um because it was, you know, it was a smaller school. And so everybody kind of got on the same page. I remember my mom saying something. She was like, oh, I was always so proud of you. You always made friends with the new girl. And I was like, oh, that's because you don't know that she was the only person who would talk to me because she didn't know yet. And oh. about two weeks after that, she would no longer. I remember that happened when I was, I was a sophomore and there was a new fresh, a couple of freshmen that came in and. I, I knew these guys were going to be popular. Yeah. They were like good looking guys and they were like, you know, athletes. And I remember becoming sort of friends with them and hanging out with them. I remember it was for like a couple of weeks until yeah. they caught on that. I'm, I'm yeah. not popular. I'm not, I'm not what you thought. It's and it was like crazy how much that matters when you're that age. Did you get, did things change when you went to high school? So yes, I ended up, my coping mechanism at first was just to shut up. I just stopped talking. I stopped. I just was the invisible person that they would have preferred me to be. Um, I mean, I spoke in class and I spoke at home, but I, I just didn't try to be social with anyone any longer. Um, 
And then honestly, I started doing the plays and that was the only place that I talked. Um, How did you get, the, I guess, since you love dancing in the hallways and all that, this I, seemed like- I had it. always loved theater and things like that. So I was like, all right, let's give this a shot. Um, I had always danced and and did some singing and things like that. So I, I did that. I did a couple of plays and something in there around eighth grade, I did Guys and Dolls Jr., and I remember like walking into the cafeteria and seeing the like place that I normally went and sat alone and then seeing the place where all the kids that I had done the show with were sitting. And I remember like very distinctly taking that deep breath and deciding to go sit with them. Um, and that kind of shifted things. And I, I still it took me years and years and probably I'm still not done figuring out how to just like let myself be me. <laughs> Right. Um, because that still feels like such a, a dangerous thing to do, since that's what got me, you know, humiliated so often. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside of You is brought to you by Patreon, my level of patrons. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. It truly helps the podcast. Top tiers get things like packages sent to them every few months, notes from me, YouTube lives, um, questions with me, and the list goes on. Please support the podcast. We couldn't do this without you. Patreon.com slash inside of you. I know how you feel. Yeah. I, I really know what it's like to, I, I've talked about it, about becoming an actor because of that. Like yeah. I, I didn't have, I've said it. How many times have I said, so I didn't have to be me. Yeah. And then I got lost somewhere along the way between who I really was and who I thought I was. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get older and you realize, uh, I don't know exactly who I am. I'm, right. I, I'm, I should know who I am by right. now. <laughs> and it's just because you're so or used I'm, to. I'm a little ashamed of who I who I am. Um, and it does, it has felt like so much of that journey has been trying to get back to being that pre 12 year old kid um, who I look back and I'm like, wow, she was so free and she was so excited about everything. And, and gosh, I, I just let those stupid 13 year olds like define me for the rest of my life. And, and there are decisions I make today that I'm like, God damn it. I'm still making choices based on these kids. Um, it's so nuts to me. And I, so you mentioned the D&D thing, which I, I came to late in life, but I did. I made the show Relics and Rarities that, again, I'm ridiculously proud of. And that's on now. It, it's it's just it's not airing now. We It's on YouTube. You can find it. Right. I'm doing a, a weekly show right now you can watch called uh, Children of Airte. But this was a thing yes. that we did a while ago that actually had a budget. It looks fantastic. We have great guests on it. Again, I'm so proud of it. And after that, it is it is probably 12-year-old Deb to a T. 
all of the things that I loved, the enthusiasm, the, you know, childlike innocence to it all kind of exists within that show. And so it was a really scary thing to kind of put that out there. But it was, as we said, when you talk about recognition, validation, it was accepted, not just, you know, in a small way, people really went, wow, this was wonderful. And it meant so much to me. And hearing that, that kind, I didn't know I needed that kind of validation, that 12-year-old Deb needed that kind of validation. Wow. Um, so that, that, was, that was more meaningful than I thought it was going to be. That's crazy. I thought we were just going to make a D&D show. And then afterwards, I was like, wow, I needed to hear that people like 12-year-old Deb. Wow. That's, you know, it's so, it's so, I mean, it's growing up is so hard <sighs> to a lot of people out there. It's just like finding your place. Who am I? Where do I belong? Who are my people? What yeah. do I want to do? What's my purpose? These are things <laughs> that continue on in life, folks. They continue on. I'm 50 and I still have questions a yeah. lot of questions i don't know when i'm gonna have them all answered probably not till i die <laughs> and even then i probably won't but you'll find your people yeah you know you'll find folks that make you feel like you can be you yeah like you know. I, i've been rewatching modern family i shouldn't say rewatching. i'm first time watching modern family it's just <laughs> been a fun thing to to go through and he said the jesse tyler ferguson says a, a a line to the young kid who's struggling and he says you know i know it's it's hard to be different now, but you'll see when you're older, the thing that makes you different is the thing that will make you special and make you, you know, ex exceptional. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just hard at that time in life when we're becoming self-aware. I mean, quite literally, I think all of us could have a story right around 12, 13 mm -hmm. of something that was foundational to who we are. And I think it's because we start to realize that people see us and think about us and we become self-conscious. And know? isn't it amazing how there's always, if you if you think about your past, and Ryan, you probably have some thoughts to this, <laughs> but throughout your lifetime, it takes, what we all need is someone to believe in us. Mm. Hopefully it's more than one. Right. Then you're, that's good. But there's always, even now, like there's a casting director who believed in you, one person who kept calling right. you in because they saw something. There's that teacher who didn't think you were a dummy, who took the time because you had ADD yep. and, and taught you something. There's, you know, you know, maybe it's your mother or your father or whoever it is, but you need, we all need somebody besides ourselves to believe mm -hmm. in us, to mm -hmm. give us that confidence. And, um, you know, I could, I can name, there's a handful of people in my whole life yeah. that just, I remember going, he took the time with me. Yeah. I was this rambunctious little kid. I couldn't focus. My grades weren't good. I was colorblind. I yeah. didn't even know it till I was 14. Yeah. And somebody said, hey, come, come on, let's, let's sit down. Let's work this out. Well, I always think of that list and I go, that should be your Oscar list, right? Like everybody talks about the speech that they practice and they're going to thank their agents and the director and the other actors. I'm like, sure. But the people who actually really got you there are those, right? They're the people who took the time and, and took the patience, not just the people who were doing their job next to you. Yeah, and maybe, just maybe, I'm probably not the first person to say this, <laughs> but maybe it's all the people who didn't believe in you that gave you the courage and the strength to actually prove them wrong. So maybe thank you 
oh, you fucks <laughs> out there who didn't I, think anything of me or, or you. Yes, I think people to varying degrees are are motivated by that. I'm not terribly motivated by that. I, I won't discount it entirely, but I don't have a lot of like, I'll show you in me. Really? Not really. You no. don't go to work going, I'm going to out act this fucking scene. <laughs> I mean, not, not, not for the 13 year olds. I felt, I mean, I, in a playful way, sometimes I feel that way. And I, it might be to like psych myself. Like I had to see with, had to, I got to do a scene with Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, I did too. And, it got cut from a film. It was oh, a great scene. It was a great scene. I'm sure. Cause oh, he's so amazing. Good. He's so amazing. Yeah. How was it? It was wonderful. Yeah. It's again, one of those moments where I'm like, I am so proud of this. <laughs> I do not ever want to ruin the way I feel about this moment. Um, but you know, but going in that, it could be very intimidating. Again, knowing myself, I was like, I could very easily become self-conscious and do a terrible job because I can't let go of that. So I walked in that day going, I'm I'm going to blow Vincent D'Onofrio out of fucking water. That's going to be my job yeah! today is to just like act circles around him. And, you know, that's that's an overstatement that got me to parallel, hopefully, <laughs> you know, that is awesome. That's a great if you could really believe that. And yeah, feel it is such a, a, a good energy yeah. that you could just enjoy because a lot of the times we're all self-conscious we're nervous. Yeah. You know, we want to know our lines so good <laughs> that we don't nothing can phase us. Um, we don't want to be tired. We want to have, you know, there's all these variables mm -hmm. that could, I didn't sleep right can affect <laughs> your performance. I didn't, I drank last night. I, I, you know, I, I just, I have indigestion. My stomach's yeah. bothered. There's, and you have to perform. Yeah. It, no one gives a shit. No pun intended. <laughs> You have to do it yeah. and you have to be on and this is going to be recorded and, and be there for life. When you see this, when someone, they could play this moment and that's how you have, it's a lot of it pressure. Is. It is. Do you get nervous still to, uh, acting? Do you go on set and you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I, I'm nervous every take. Y yes. I mean, I get comfortable, but yes, I, I mean, yes, some nerves. I, I, I do think. I rebrand them a little bit as butterflies, like that it, it's nervous excitement. Um, I, I, because I have that ego that wants me to be great and wants to be considered great, even if it's just by the people in this room rather than the world at large. But again, I know that that actually is going to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, letting that voice in too much is actually going to make me less good. Um, so yeah, so sometimes I think it is a it's it's putting on that false bravado, yeah. that swagger a little bit to sort of trick yourself into feeling that way, uh, which is you know what actors do. What do anyways. you do? What do you do? Sometimes give a little punch to your hand. Come on, you got this shit. What do you what do? A, what would be my thing? You know, I Jesse know. Eisenberg, I remember yeah. I, was doing, I, mean, I was doing a movie. It wasn't a very good movie. And I love Wes Craven. But I just did. I did the movie just because of, of Wes course. Craven. It's called Cursed. And I just did this part. And he wrote me a letter. And I was like, I oh, mean, I didn't read the script. <laughs> I just want to work with you. And I watched Jesse Eisenberg. And before every take, he would just jump up and down. Hmm. Every take. And turn around in circles. But right before a take. Yeah. And and I have my own thing. Yeah. And everybody has their own thing. I, I know that Leonardo DiCaprio, at least he used to. Um, he used to be just running around set, acting like an idiot, just talking to everybody in action. And he'd just jump and he into could do it. That. And I like doing that. I, if I think about this, unless I have a ton right, of lines, right, right, right. but if I, I, I don't want to focus too much because I think I'll, I'll stress out too much and I'll right. be uncomfortable for too long. So I, I try to get out of my head as much so, as possible. Right. So that's it, right? It's to get out of your head. It's to be present in this actual literal moment, not some fake moment in your mind where you did you did it a certain way, right? That's mm -hmm. the goal. So 
honestly, for me, it's like, okay. Sorry. And that's the show, folks. The show. We're she done. Just, no. You I want just, some more water or is it you no, good? That's fine. Here. I don't care. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit of, there are bottles in a wine rack over there. Yeah. There's light on the wall over there. Mm -hmm. I can hear the air conditioning humming up above. Oh, there he's sitting over there. Oh, wow. He has a really nice smile. I like the way his hair kind of flips that way, you know? And it's it's putting myself in this literal moment with the literal things around me. I, I'm not a big fourth wall person. I think for me, rather than doing a lot of work to make cameras disappear, I just accept them. They're just here. It's just there. It's just another eye in the room, right? right? I'm just more concerned with you and, and what I need to communicate to you. And and oh, what did what did your face just do there? You know, like, mm -hmm. so for me, it's, I'm a big homework person. I am always going to be an overachiever and an overworker. I do a lot. I get better the more work that I do, the more fire I have underneath. Um, but once you're there on the day, it is about trusting that that's there and just going, wow, he looks cute today. Or, oh, I'm so fucking mad at him. Look at the way his nose upturns. That I just want to punch that nose in the fucking face. You know, like, I just want to punch it. You know, it's it's finding the little things right here in this moment right now that put you kind of where you need to be for the scene. At yeah. least that's what works for me. No, that's amazing. Have you ever been intimidated by an actor? I mean, you said D'Onofrio, but you didn't seem intimidated by him. Right? No, but yeah, I talked myself out of it. He's um, so scary in that role, though. He's great. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> so scary. Well, he's supposed to be scary, but also Karen is supposed to be reckless, right? I mean, in that role, I'm, I'm meant to kind of like, I don't get in trouble because trouble is drawn to me. It's because I go looking for it because I'm mm. like, I'm going to ask the right fucking questions and that's dangerous so you know so again the character can give you some swagger you know knowing knowing that that's the attitude that comes with it um you know he's also not that scary like right before that scene he asked me if i liked his suit you know like he was insecure <laughs> i don't know he was you know like oh look it's the white you know <laughs> so you know you have to remember these other things are happening you know as it's going on um have I ever been intimidated? I get more intimidated by, again, the social period outside of the acting. Will they like me as a person and also think that I'm good? Uh, once action is called, I don't know. I have a pretty good I have that a pretty good Pavlov instinct <laughs> from action to cut of of feeling a lot freer. I, I've always said this. I've always been kind of jealous of people who have strong religion <laughs> in their lives. I have never really had that because there is this idea that like, you're on a path and someone is looking out for you and what's meant to be is meant to be. And there's like this safety net that you, whether it's predestination or anything like that, that, that you can't really make a wrong choice because it's already been made. Whereas I'm out here going, if I make the wrong choice, I may never have the career I want. I may not meet the people. I may not have the family. I might not have the security, you know, these things. So I'm constantly terrified in my real life of taking a wrong step. I'm not much of a risk taker in my real life. But storytelling, it doesn't matter in scene three if I cry, if I yell at you, if I spill water on the floor. You know, you might be really mad at me about the water on the floor right now. But if I do it in the scene, it doesn't change the fact that we have that that it doesn't change scene 40 scene 40 still happens so there's so much more freedom to be brave and to make choices that are scary because i can't change the outcome so for me that feels like 
a safety net. And, and I, yeah. so yeah, action to cut feels like the safest place in the world. Do you learn lines pretty quickly? Yeah. I have a pretty good instinct for that. Um, and I like you said that, you know, I, people always talk about like, Oh, how do you memorize all those lines? Or I just, just did Shakespeare and it's a lot of lines and people are always impressed that you can memorize Shakespeare. But I always say, you know, it's not really memorization. It's learning by heart, right? I mean, it's, you learn lines the way, or at least I feel like you should learn lines the way you know the words to your favorite song. They're just sort of in you. Um, and the great thing about acting is generally someone gives you a cue. They, you know, they have a line before yours, which sort of tells you what your line is supposed to be. Yeah. Have you ever had lines given to you the day of a ton of lines? Not much. No, I haven't had to Would deal you with freak that. out? I would freak out. That would be a little hard for me. There's also those sets, certain writers that want you to be absolutely word perfect no, shall I again, that's not the right environment Brutal. for me. They would not like me as an actor. I I have to believe in my heart that writers and actors want the same thing, which is an authentic living, breathed experience in a moment. And if that means that I have to go, uh, at some point during yeah, your life, people say, uh, all the, I say, uh, all the time, <laughs> uh. then that, then I think that that's an acceptable, you know, sort of compromise there. And, and most of the writers that I've worked with haven't had any problem with that. And, and even with small, I, I'm not a big, like, Hey, can we change this line? Unless it's something really important. I've done that you know, I can count the times I've done that in my right, career. But just little ad libs. But little ad libs are, you know, if, if, ugh, what? Or, ugh, goes to, ugh, I don't know. They're usually fine with little Yeah, I would like hope that. so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, don't say, ugh. Why don't you fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> um, how intense is John Bernthal? Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's a kitty cat. He's a kitty I've cat. I met him once and he was really sweet, but he's yeah. got this intensity in all his roles <laughs> that I'm just like, I remember he told me a story he was working with sylvester stallone yeah and sylvester said he was boxing and sylvester yeah. stallone came and, and like took his something it was his rosin or rosin i don't know what it was but it's something you don't do and he goes hey what are you doing <laughs> stallone is like what? What? <laughs> and he says you know better than anybody that you don't take that from another boxer he's like you know hey, you're absolutely right i'm sorry about that he put it back down and he got a little intense but like he told me some great stories but he's uh about meeting Robert De Niro. Yeah. And he wanted, did he ever tell you that story? No, he didn't tell me he that He wanted story. to meet Robert De Niro after they worked together. Uh-huh. And at the end, he goes, look, I waited the whole time. I just want to say, well, De Niro goes, why don't you, why don't you come in the trailer after? Have a drink. Whatever. I don't do De Niro. And he comes in the trailer <laughs> and um, Bernthal kind of says, I love this story. He says, you know, De Niro's thinking they're just going to have a drink and two guys hanging out. Right. And Bernthal's like, I just got to say this. You're my idol, man. Wow. I mean, I, I, I you're, he's, yeah, you don't have to do this. So. <laughs> and you could tell De Niro's really uncomfortable. He's like, yeah. no, no, I want to, I want to say this. I goes, it's unnecessary. You don't have yeah. to do this. He's like, no, I, I have to say this. He's like, okay. okay. And he just went on about how much he loved him and how it meant to him and working with him and how he's acting. And I go, so then he loved it, right? He goes, no. <laughs> It was the most uncomfortable, awkward <laughs> fucking thing that ever happened in my life. Yeah. But but is he intense? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly he can be, you know. Um, but I, generally, especially with me, I would say I can only speak from our relationship. He was supportive. He was lifted me up. He always talked about how excited he was to work with me, how much he wanted me to cross over and do the work with the, him on Punisher. We would still love to work together on other things in the future. You know, so I, I have a lot of love and respect for John. So he he's great. He's great actor. Great actor. Great. Um, And, you know, and, and I always said John's 
John's failing is actually how great of an actor he is, or not his failing, but his, you know, his Achilles heel maybe is that because, you know, we'll read a script and, you know, most actors, we go, oh, yeah, this is good. You get really excited about the thing. And sometimes that blinds you a little bit to some of the logic of the scene because you can just like suspension of disbelief, just skate right by it. (laughs) Not John. John will read something and he'll be like, okay, he's good. So, but why, why would I give her the gun? You know, and you're like, oh, why, why would he? You know, and suddenly you're like, oh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Why are we doing And then suddenly you've got an hour on set where you're trying to figure out what you're going to do instead <laughs> kind of thing, kind of because John is too good at what he does. Wow. Yeah. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day I'm giving you the behind the scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. If you had to choose between True Blood, Daredevil, or The Punisher to do again. Oh, to do again? I'm going to guess. Yeah, go ahead. Ryan, you're going to guess too. I'm going to say it was True Blood. You're wrong. I was going to say that too. <laughs> huh? I was going to say that too, yeah. I, I, would, I, would, say, I would say no. Um, partially because the, the Marvel series feel unfinished to me because we got canceled when we thought we were going to have more. So there is a part of me that was like, I had more to say about Karen. And and we, I felt like I was in the middle of that story. Whereas True Blood, you know, again, for all of its ups and downs and, and triumphs and flaws, we did get to wrap it up. I knew that we were wrapping it up. I could say goodbye to everyone. Oh. I stole something from the set. You know, I didn't get to steal <laughs> anything from our, our Daredevil set. And I didn't get to say goodbye to the crew because we all thought, you were thought we back. were coming back. Um, so that's really what I, I would want back. And I wouldn't have all of that back, obviously. Um, and the Punisher and Daredevil feel kind of of one to me, mostly because the character really lives and thrives in Daredevil. But I loved the work I got to do in Punisher. And also, you know, I played a 17-year-old on True Blood. And, you know, that show was like a soap opera. And then You've grown up. A little bit, yeah. And I, I, there, I really enjoyed as Karen playing someone my own age (laughs) yeah because at a certain point i was like even you know even if three years have passed over the seven years of of true blood i am now a you know a 28 27 year old woman playing a 20 year old and having to keep alive a little bit of that like innocence and and insecurity everyone else is older and stronger and wiser and you know that stuff and so to go be karen and be kind of like i've lived and i've seen some shit and own that a little more. I think I, as Deborah, needed to play someone more like that right. after having been a kid for so long. If you had to choose between never doing theater again or never doing film again, oh, I, I'd never do film again. And you just act on stage. I would just stage. It, That's it, how much you so love it. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. It does not pay very well, but it is so much fun. Um, yeah. It's, really? an, it's an easy answer for me. And, and that's not to say I haven't loved the film and TV work. I have. It just doesn't thrill me. What about if you had to choose knowing you're not going to make any money in theater? You're going to make enough to just live. Oh, that's okay. If I could live, that's okay. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, even right now, I mean, look, I, I haven't had like a good paying, steady film or TV acting job in a while, right? What do you mean? So I'm in the world of- A few years. 
that's enough. <laughs> and I was I on either in like four and years. I, I, you know, I was on cable, which is, you know, a good payday, but it's not network payday. You know, right, you right, can't right. live the rest of your life off of a, cable, a good run on a cable show. Um, you know, you have a family, you have a mortgage, you have, you know, and I'm smart with my money, but still like you have to retire at some point. These are yeah. all things you might have to send a kid to college at a certain point. Those are very, very real, um, obligations. And, and so, you know, I'm, I'm in the stage right now where I have, you know, like four side jobs, <laughs> really? four part-time jobs that kind of, what do you mean part-time jobs? I mean, they feel like full-time jobs because it's a lot of work. What but, are they? So I have a podcast. <laughs> oh, well, I want to be a guest. You, well, uh, you, if you were, you on true blood, <laughs> I was never on true blood. So unfortunately I don't know that we can have you in. If you were a super fan, maybe we could bring you in as a All super right. fan, but uh, yeah, we're doing a podcast called truest blood. Um, Kristen Bauer, who was Pam on the series. I got to get her on the podcast. I like her. You should totally have her on. Kristen's an incredible storyteller. She's hilarious. Guys, listen to this podcast. It sounds you cool. Should. Especially if you like true blood, truest blood, truest blood. So we, we basically go through each of the episodes and, and not only do we talk about our favorite moments, but we do serious behind the scenes. So how did we get that special effect done? We do what that was too. Blood. On our show Talkville, Amazing. Tom and I do Smallville. We'll I love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. So really behind the scenesy stuff. It's you know if you know me and I'm an overachiever, I <laughs> I deep dive research into all this stuff. So it's really fun. Um, so we're working on our second season of that. That'll great. come out really soon. Um, I'm writing a Dungeons and Dragons campaign book that will be published in 2024. Have you ever played with Vince Vaughn? I have not played with Vince Vaughn. No, He's I've, a big I've D&D played fan. with Joe Manganiello, Ky- Kyle Newman. I played with Kyle for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely love Kyle. I've never played it. I played it when I was a kid twice yeah. or three times, but it, it takes a while to learn how to play, doesn't it? It does. I'm a big believer, though, for new players that you shouldn't worry about the rules, especially with this fifth edition. The fifth edition is really intuitive. And if you have a good DM that can just tell you what to roll, you should play from your imagination. So I, I generally with new players don't don't tell them how well, to play. Well, invite me. I'd love to try yeah, it. Yeah, come. You should totally come and play, especially I have all this material I need to play test. So. I, just don't make fun of me. You're I never, don't get angry with me. Be never, patient. Ever. Remember I talked about the teacher who was patient with yes, me? Yes, patient is very good. Um, and and yeah, and then uh, I have this weekly D&D game that I'm running good once a Lord. week. Uh, that's a completely different story. Um, so yeah. And you make money for these? I make money for these. Get out. Yeah. I love that. A lot of good things. <laughs> you know, I know I read about and you talk about it because you support it, but your husband has a disease called. Yeah. Choroideremia. Choroideremia. We say yes. Uh, uh, hard, hard to pronounce, even harder to cure is our, our little tag. Right. Yeah. Right. And um, how's he doing? He's doing good. EJ? I, EJ is his name. Yeah. So he's choroideremia. It's an eye disease um, that essentially erodes sight from the out, outside in. So he's uh, lost his peripheral vision and any, you know, uh, over time, he'll lose all of it. How? When did this start? It's lifelong. It's genetic. So, so it started from birth. From birth. Uh, so he, he had, didn't, he didn't always know about when it. He was growing up. He did. He didn't always know about it. You know, I think that's also some of the the trouble with it is that you know he was maybe labeled as clumsy or you know uh, not observant or things like that when it was an actual condition. Oh, that's um, gotta suck not knowing what the hell. Sucks. I mean, oh. Um, and you know, and and it, because it's genetic, there's family issues that come into that, and and are you passing this along, and what is your legacy, and all of those things, and um, you know, I think so. For EJ, he's done a lot of work over the years. He's run marathons, had comedy uh, benefits, and things like that. He's very into the improv world, um, 
that, you know, so we've tried to raise awareness and money to self, sort of help uh, find a, a cure or a treatment. And where can they go to, to so, donate? So um, org is a place where you can donate. Uh, the Foundation Fighting Blindness, we love them. They're fantastic. So those are places that you can go. Um, yeah. And how old is he? Uh, my husband's in mid-40s. And I mean, what, do they give a time expectancy of like, hey, it by can, the time? It can change for a lot of different people. Uh, some of it is protection. The more he protects his eyes from the sun, the longer his vision can maintain. But now, you know, he's got central vision as if you were looking through straws. Very tight central vision. So that's tough. Yeah. So it's is there a certain glasses or something that could help with that? Not at this time, no. Um, it's also, you know... RP is a very similar condition, but from what I understand, and I'm I'm not a scientist, um, with RP, it just shuts the photoreceptors down. So potentially there's a world in which they could turn them back on with certain treatments. Unfortunately, with choroideremia, those cells are destroyed. So there is no turning back the clock at this point, right. um, other than stem cell therapy, which is, we're very behind in that technology. Of course. Um, so, you know, we're looking more at a treatment that could potentially halt the degeneration at this point. Is but, that know. a struggle every day? Is yeah. it sort of like for him, really, yeah. just having to, you know, being frustrated probably yeah. and all so, this shit. So it's like, you know, that's something you have to deal with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a big deal. And and I think for him, too, you know, he, like you, loves things that represent you know, uh, movies and comic books memories and memories. And, and, you know, he's a big collector and saver of things. And he loves, you know, he takes a lot of pictures and video, whereas I can't be bothered to do any of that. I know, I do that. So, you know, he has a fortress of solitude that he keeps, you know, it's filled to the brim with statues and books and comic books and posters and things like that. And, you know, I walk in there and I have anxiety, but for him, <laughs> it's this soothing, wonderful space of love and joy. And, you know, so much of that enjoyment comes from the visual and, and being able to see these things and watch these television shows that he loves. But, you know, accessibility is a huge thing. You know, we are huge fans and love it when the different networks start having audio descriptive uh, tracks with their TV shows. Yeah. That's very helpful. Going to ball games and there's certain, you know, th- yeah, you know, even easier. going to the movie theater, sometimes they have headsets that'll do the audio description. But even then, like a lot of times they're not working. So it's this big fight to say like, hey, you would be making the day of so many people if you just had your headsets ready to go and in functioning order, right? Like that's a, a struggle when just trying to go see right. a movie, you know? Um, yeah, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of fear and um, loss surrounding it, but he's a pretty exceptional person in that he's really directed that energy into, you know, um, trying to fight the good fight. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, donate again. Yeah, too. donate FFB, the Foundation Fighting Blindness, or CureCHM.org. All right, shit talking with Deborah Ann Wall. By the <gasps> way, if someone has to sing a song to you with your name, last name in it, what song is it? I mean, you had to have been saying a song like, like for me, Rosenbaum. People would say, "You dropped a Rosenbaum on me, <laughs> baby." With wall, wall? No, How about nothing. All goes- we are is just another brick in the wall. <laughs> I have never heard that before. Really? No. As I said, I, I have only heard my name spoken in taunts. Um, oh. So, yeah. So, yeah, I don't. I so, don't. I'm the first. <laughs> You're in the first. song. Yay. Brick in the wall. I will take this moment home with me. Shit talking with Deborah Ann Wall. Uh, these are patrons, top tier patrons that ask questions. Hey. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. 
to become a patron and support the podcast. We need people like you. Thank you. And these, these are the shit-talking questions. Jamal F., how involved did you feel Netflix was in shaping Daredevil? Were you satisfied with how the show ended? Ooh, well, we, I mean, we brushed upon this a little bit. Um, I mean, I think Netflix was a really great home for that show in that they did trust most of them. Now, I wasn't in any of those rooms, so I don't know how intense they, you know, Netflix was as a, a network, but I love the version of the shows that we did on Netflix. And yes, I was sad that it ended without more notice. All right. Sheila G, favorite experience working with Charlie Cox on Daredevil. Oh, Charlie. Favorite experience? Gosh. I, you know, I always looked forward to the days that I worked with Charlie. One, because he's a he's a hard worker like me. You know, I, I don't think he's quite so far as like, hey, you forgot to give us homework, but he enjoys <laughs> right. the work. He of, likes the challenge. He likes the challenge. He wants to rehearse. He wants to talk about the scene. So I remember in the beginning of season three, you know, every every scene with him was a joy. But in the beginning of season three, we were going to do a flash, flashback to the scene that just um, followed his reveal that I am Daredevil to Karen Page. And he and I had already had a lot of conversations about what had happened between then and the next time that they met. So when Eric Olson, the, our showrunner on season three, came in and said that he wanted to revisit that moment, he worked very closely with us and wanted to know what had we imagined. Um, you know, he wrote a pass and sent it to Charlie and I, and Charlie and I read through it and discussed it and sent some back some thoughts and they re So it was this really lovely collaborative back and forth. And when we finally got there that day to shoot it, I don't know, it just it it was another one of those moments with him where I was like, I'm so grateful this is you Aww. and not some asshole who's, you know, too big for his britches. You know, you that's good. He wanted that's to nice. do it. Yeah. Uh, OK, by the way, I'm glad I didn't say this before because that was an amazing answer. But this is rapid fire. Oh, I'm sorry. But I didn't say no, I didn't say <laughs> rapid fire, but I'm glad I didn't because that's an awesome story. Oh, God. So I'm glad I didn't say rapid fire because you might not have told that story. I'm terrible at rapid fire. All right, here we go. Well, you I'm don't have to, to be that fast. OK, you could just you, look like 10 seconds or less. No, whatever you want. If you want a minute, go. But, okay. you know, it's just quick. If gotcha, you can. Gotcha. Sheila G. Uh, no, Jeanette. Any thoughts about revisiting True Blood in a movie? Any updates on season two of your podcast? Well, we just talked about season that. Season two is back. Um, I know nothing about any any movie. I love the character. I mean, if it was well-written, sure. And I kind of like, I'll say this. I it, True Blood did not end the way that I thought it was going to end or really even wanted it to end. I was kind of like, she should go like explore the world and like become queen of Louisiana or something like that. So I would love more story for jessica out of that christy i loved the show true blood what were the crew like to work with on true blood exceptional so i'll say this it we worked nights it was freezing cold in greer ranch where we shot this show i mean we're talking below 30 like below 20 some nights and we're out there in little dresses you know for louisiana nights kind of thing uh it was cold it was long we shot routinely 16 18 hour days our crew did not have to come and be there for all seven seasons. And we had a crazy retention rate. And that's because of how professional they were, how good they were. Also, HBO compensating for that kind of commitment. Uh, well, they're exceptional. I mean, doing the podcast now and getting to talk with a lot of them again and remember what a special experience that was. That's amazing. Dana asks, will we see you in any of this upcoming phase of Marvel movies and Disney series? I can say this, they have not called me yet. So as of now, um, I am not a part of it. 
Um, I would be thrilled <laughs> to get to be a part of it. They know where I am. Yeah. Um, like I said, I I love the character of Karen Page. I love telling that story. I feel like I have more to say, but it is up to them what kind of story that they they want to tell. Charlie Cox was in Spider Man. I mean, it's there. Well, they've already announced they're doing yeah. a Daredevil series. That's happening. Um, I, they just have not contacted me about it. <laughs> Maybe they will. Maybe they will. That's why I'm saying yet. So uh, have not contacted me about it. Raj, and we sort of dabbled in this. We actually talked about this. Did you have any family or friends that weren't supportive of your decision? No, we didn't talk about this. No. Weren't supportive of your pursuit, uh, decision to pursue an acting career? Um, uh, some extended family. Uh, you know, true blood is not for everyone. And it is racy. And there were a couple of people who I think, like the line I can remember is, uh, oh, well, we're so happy for you, but, you know, I'll, I'll someday you'll do work we can do, be proud of, basically, is what was said to me. Um, but, you know, that's, mm. that's people have lots of feelings about what television should be and, and, and all of that. And so I, I'm very proud of True Blood. I think that it tackled... You know, for all of the soap opera and the blood and the gore and the genre of it, I think it really tackled some really interesting ideas and, and asked people to challenge their thoughts. So I'm proud of it. I love it. Well, you're doing so much. I mean, you really are doing Thanks. a lot. Do you have to keep busy to to sort of function or do you can, no. you, can you take a break? Oh, I can take a break. You can I, do nothing. I can do nothing. I can watch Modern Family for hours if I need to. Um, I I can't because I have things to do. Um, because I do have to, you know, care for my family and and do those things. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been a real damn it's fun. treat. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to be inside of you today. <laughs> That's what we say on the show. Okay. It's not perverted. Um, and uh, this has been awesome. So thank you. Thanks. She was a sweet, a sweet lady, sweet woman, very talented. And um, I just, I always like when we do in-persons. Mm -hmm. It's just, I feel like, and you feel an energy, like a back and forth. Yeah. I mean, the Zooms are fine, but I always like having someone in the room. Yeah. And she had a nice energy she about her. She opened up a ton. She opened up a ton and she was very calming. Mm -hmm. You know, I like when people calm me and I feel like I could just talk to them. <laughs> so that was really nice. Uh, if you didn't listen to the intro, it's got all the information for the cons that I'm doing and the handles and the uh, our website, uh, Inside You Online Store, Patreon, all that stuff. You might want to listen to it to join to help support the podcast and a bunch of other fun stuff and the new album, sunspin.com. Go there to get merch and the new CD. And right now I'm going to do shout outs. Here we go. These are shout outs. These are top tier patrons who have given to the show and a lot of these names, man freaking they've been here i just did boxes yesterday with my friend joey put boxes together and i always make those little notes um but it's just amazing it's amazing how some people have been here over three years loyal loyal just supporting the podcast after a while i don't know what to say anymore i'm just like oh my gosh you're still here sometimes <laughs> i say that i'm like you're still here you're still supporting this podcast i guess it means something to you um and it means a lot to me here we go Nancy D, Leah S, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Nico P, Robert B, Jason W, Sophie M, Raj C, Joshua D, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jamal F, Janelle B, Kimberly E, Mike E, Eldon Supremo, 99 more. I'm going to change my glasses so I can actually see some of these names. I do this every time. I bet you guys. That should be a contest. What name will I get to before I switch my glasses? As far. 
Yeah, and it started to blur. San Diego M, Chad W, Leanne P, Janine R, Maya P, Maddie S, Belinda N, Chris H, Dave H, Sheila G, Brad D, Ray H, Tabitha T, Tom N, Liliana A, Talia M, Betsy D, Chad L, Dan N, Big Stevie W, Angel M, Rhiannon C, Corey K, Deb Nexon, Michelle A, Jeremy C, Gavinator, David C, John B, Brandy D, Camille S, Joey M, Eugene and Leah, Nikki G, Corey, Patricia, Heather L, Jake B, Megan T, Mel S, Orlando C, Caroline R, Christine S, Sarah S, Eric H, Shane R, Emma R, Andrew M, Zotoichi 77, Oracle, Karina N, Amanda R, Amanda S, Jen B, Kevin E, Stephanie K, Lena 82, Jorel, and Billy S. I've said it a million times. I could not do it without you. Um, thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for being here and supporting. Hopefully, you'll have a great holidays. It's coming up. Thanksgiving. We got Christmas. We got great guests coming up, so you don't want to miss it. Nice over the holidays. Just shit, sit, shit. You could shit. Sit in a nice room. Maybe shit in a nice room. <laughs> and listen to the podcast. Listen to all these fabulous guests that are coming up. And, of course, a reminder to listen to Talkville which is every Wednesday. That's tomorrow. Tom and I uh, dissect uh, every episode of Smallville. And uh, thanks for all your support there. And uh, we love you. From myself, Michael Rosenbaum in the Hollywood Hills. I'm Ryan Tejas. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ryan Tejas. That's Bryce. I'm Bryce in the Hollywood Hills. Yes. Hey, we'll see you later. Thanks so much for being here. And most importantly, be good to yourselves. I will see you next week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Should we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.